The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. Today, we're going to talk about when it's hard to stand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When it's hard to stand, when it's hard to do the right thing, when it's hard to like say the right thing at the right time, when it's hard to stand. That's the title of the message today. And so I just thought we might just start with this. Let me ask you this. When is it hard to stand? Go ahead. I'm asking. When is it hard to stand? When circumstances are bad. bad. Crisis. Hurting. When you're alone. alone? Yeah. Yeah. When is it hard for you to stand? Maybe just get that in your head. If you're not willing to say it out loud, just get it in your head. I wrote down a few things when I'm facing trials, hard times, persecution. That's definitely in the passage. And then just boil it down to this when it's, when it's conflict, when I'm in conflict, you know, when I'm in conflict. So I thought we'd just start today with this. If you're currently uh, in a hard season or in conflict, something's just not right. Maybe you had a bad week for some reason or another. I want to ask you to stand now, right? Just go ahead. Stand up now uh, so that we can pray for you, with you. Let's do that right now. It's not embarrassing to have a hard time. So if you, if you, you're just, Hey, I'm in the middle of conflict. It's really hard to stand right now, but I want to do that. I'm with my brothers and sisters. Give you just a second to stand up. All right. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good to admit it here. (laughs) It's good to admit it to ourselves. Right. And then uh, sometimes we're in a hard time and we just need prayer. Isn't it what we need? We need prayer. So now I'm going to ask all of you that are around everybody, everybody up. All of you that are around, just go ahead and put your hands on them. And let's just spend a couple minutes in prayer, okay? You guys pray as I pray. You guys pray as I pray. Let's go now. Father God, thank you for these people. And I just pray as they've confessed, it's hard to stand right now. It's hard to stand. But Lord, just remind them that they're not standing alone, that they're standing with you and that you, Jesus Christ, are standing for them and with them. God, give them the power of the Holy Spirit. Give them the strength that they need to make it through this hard season, this conflict, this hard time. And may they stand. And may that standing be the light, the testimony that's going to shine so bright that other people are going to see Jesus Christ and want to know him more. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Comfort us, God, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We all face various trials, eh? Conflicts. We do. We really do. So what do we do? I mean, we know it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when conflict's going to arise, right, in your life. So what do I do when conflict arises? I mean, that's really what our passage deals with. We're in Acts chapter 6, and the passage is going to give us three responses to conflict. The conflict comes in different various sizes and forms, just as your conflict would come in surprising ways, but we're not surprised by it, are we? 
because we know it's coming and we want to know how to respond to that conflict. So that's what we're going to work on today. Here's three responses to conflict in the passage. Are you there? Acts one, Acts uh, six. Who's there? All right, good. Acts six, kind of a long passage cut out for us, but this is all one story. Um, just say this about Acts 6, 1 through 7. A lot of people want to use this as a proof text for deacons. And it's funny because the word deacons never mentioned in there. And then the other thing is, it could be elders, it could be a lot of different things. They're definitely doing a duty for the church, which is great. And a lot of you are doing a duty for the church as well. Thanks for serving the Lord. And, uh, but here's another thing that's kind of interesting. A lot of people use this for congregational government. And then the other half of people use this for elder government. And I would say this isn't a proof text for either. All right. I would just say the New Testament is pretty clear that elder government is the form. That's why we practice it. But it, it, this isn't a proof text for either. Right. This first seven verses is to introduce Stephen. <laughs> That's what it's here for. And here's the conflict. Here's how we solved it. And hey, by the way, Stephen, and that's the story really of today. And then it's going to go on to Philip. Next time I preach a couple weeks from now, uh, it's going to go on to Philip. And these are both what we would call deacons, but they're both part of the seven. They're not necessarily deacons. They're both part of the seven. These guys are going to do work for the local church. I hope that helps you. Right. As I'm reading this, I think we can come to the passage with kind of some presuppositions. I would just say not, no presuppositions. eh? let's just read it for what it is. And let's just do what it says. Um, three responses to conflict. Let me read verses one through seven. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing, I underlined that so encouraging, increasing in number, a complaint. Oh, great. <laughs> By the Hellenists. That's Greek-speaking Jews. They're from out of towns. They're outsiders, okay? Arose against the Hebrews. That's the insiders. That's the people like us. Because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12, who are the 12? Anybody know where I could find out what that means? What does the 12 mean? It's good to know your Bible, isn't it? Well, since we've already been in Acts 1, right? Then we know that in Acts 1, it says the names of all the 12 and how they got the 12th guy, right? So Acts chapter 1, you can read that later if you, if you don't know. The 12, the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples. I love that, the full number. Everybody that names the name, that claims the name of Jesus Christ, you all invited, let's go. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because you can get kind of sideways on that statement. Are these guys too good to serve tables? What's the answer? No, they have not forgotten Jesus's uh, uh, little example of washing their feet, right? They, they haven't stopped picking up their towel since John 13, Right? Because that was pretty obvious what they needed to be doing. So they're picking up their towel every day. That's probably why we're in this situation is because they didn't delegate soon enough. They were trying to do it all and it was a full number and it was getting hard. And I don't think they did this on purpose. They neglect the outsiders, although the, it seems to think that the Hellenists thought so. But I don't think they did it on purpose. I think they were just running around like their chick, uh, chickens with their head cut off, right? Which is what we do in ministry, is it not? Small group leaders, can I get a witness? Do you have an apprentice yet? 
Is there mutual ministry in your group? Are other people doing things, significant things to make your group healthy? All right. Now we, we got it at home now, don't we? All right. So these guys, uh, it's not that they wouldn't serve tables or serve in children's ministry or do the hard work. Come early, set up the communion, do set up, do tear down the things that nobody knows about, but you know, that are really important. It's not that they wouldn't do those things. It's that if they did those things, somebody else wasn't going to get an opportunity and they had moved on to do what they only they could do. Right? So good, good part there. Therefore, brothers, sisters, pick out from among you seven men of there's three qualifications, good reputation, good repute, full of the spirit. They got to be saved and full of it. Right. And of wisdom, which comes with being full of the Holy spirit. Right. So a good reputation comes with wisdom and a good wisdom comes from being filled with the Holy spirit. So basically be saved and act like it (laughs) for a while. So people can see the difference. All right. And uh, so that's what they were doing. Whom we will appoint. No, no doubt the authority is in the apostles hands at this point through the power of the Holy spirit to this duty, but we will devote ourselves And you should too, I would say, to prayer and the ministry of the word. It's not like, hey, we're the only ones that are going to pray and read the word. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, we're going to keep our eyes on this so that we can keep you keeping your eyes on this. When we stop keeping our eyes on this, you'll stop too. So we're going to keep our eyes on this. We're not going to let our hands off this so that you won't either. There will be an example. They're not saying, don't do what we do. (laughs) <laughs> they're being an example. Do what we do, right? Sometimes we get this a little weird in our heads. Like, oh, only the pastor needs to read the Bible and pray. No, it's for all of us. I want to be an example to you in that way. And what they said, pleased the whole gathering. Let me just say something right there. That's a miracle. There's probably not a thing I'm going to say that everybody in this room is going to agree with today. That's going to please everybody in this room. So the fact that that happened is flat out the Holy Spirit's power in the assembly. I pray that that would happen here, but I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath on that, right? I mean, that's a miracle of God. And they chose, here's who they chose, Stephen, introduction, please, (laughs) a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, going to see him in a few chapters here, chapter eight, and Procurus and Nicanor and Timion, and Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Now just get this. He wasn't even a Jew, right? He's a Gentile. He's a proselyte. He came to faith through the baptism of John, right? Like he came to Judaism and then he was rebaptized. this guy, because he wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, right? So this guy, man, he's been through it. He's like gone from like heathen to like Jew and Jew to Christian. (laughs) People are watching him and what he's done. And they're saying, this guy's got a good reputation. These, they set before the apostles and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. That's a symbol of authority. When we lay our hands on people, 
That's a symbol of authority. We just laid our hands on people. We're just saying, hey, you have the authority of Jesus Christ. You're going to make it through this trial. When we uh, have uh, parent-child dedication, we lay our hands. Hey, we're here with you. We're going to do this. When we do an elder or deacon or any kind of installation, when we get small group leaders and we, get, uh, we send them out from one small group to another, we plant a small group, right? We put our hands on them. We're like, hey, you're going to the same authority we're coming with, right? This is what they're doing. It's a symbol of authority. You have the authority to do the job and you have the responsibility to do the job. Many of you in our church have, we've laid our hands on you. Your children's workers, your welcome, your greeters, your small group leaders, set up, tear down, all the, we're, we're commissioning you to have responsibility and authority and we want you to do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse seven, just a little update here. This is really cool. And the word of God continued to increase. So what increased? The word, right? And the number of disciples multiplied. So what multiplied? Okay, so what do you think? Does this have any correlation that if we focus on the word of God and that increases, right? What we speak for God's word with boldness and contagiousness, all right? That, that over here then what the product would be is what? Multiplied disciples, right? So that, that goes hand in hand. And this isn't like 50 plus 50. This is 50 times 50, as in 2,500, okay? Like this is a lot of people. And it multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. It's key that it's in Jerusalem. We're still in Jerusalem. It's going to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, utmost parts of the earth. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I just wrote, wow. You know, that's like people who are like serving another God or serving what they think is God, but not Jesus. Come to Christ. Like leaders of other churches, right? That, that might not be saved at this point. If they, if they you know, that's kind of weird to say, right? But there are, there are people that say they're a church that aren't a church. You do understand this, right? And there are leaders who say they're uh, serving God and working for God that aren't. You do, you do get this, right? In our town, in any town in, a, in America, right? And so uh, you see the example of that here. These are religious leaders, priests, so to speak, and they are coming to know Christ for the first time. And it's astounding that leaders of other religions, what about the power of the Holy Spirit in that? I believe this. Well, now I believe this. Jesus. It's pretty crazy. And we pray for that, don't we? Revival, awakening in our own city. Here's the first point. Three responses to conflict. Here's the first one. Serve the Lord by faith. Serve the Lord by faith. You see it all over this passage. The apostles are serving the Lord. The people are serving the Lord. The seven are now serving the Lord. Things go from good to bad to good. Circumstances seem to change on a dime, don't they? Trouble comes. Complaints arise. Last week, you were probably really cool with me. This week, you're probably like, I got a complaint. All right. But that's just the way it goes. And you know, your wife can do that. And your husband can do that for sure. Like one week, I'm like, honey, you're doing such a great job. Way to go. And the next week I'm like, well, about this one thing. Right. And I'm just kind of like sideways about this. Why can't we like do this? Like, why can't the TV remote be over here? (laughs) I mean, true guys, just don't leave me hanging here. (laughs) Like we get so stupid like that. 
Like if you're like me and kind of anal that way, like I, you know, kind of like details matter, OCD. It's like you, 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 the stupidest things become complaints. They just do. We have complaints. When we have complaints, what should we do with them? I think that's important. Write these things down. First, one, and they go in order. Do this first. Do not talk to anyone else about your complaint. Roll it off your back. As in, roll it off your back to nowhere and nothing at all. It's not a big deal. Okay. Now, if it is a big deal, then figure that out. And don't talk to anybody else and roll it off to God. Roll it off your shoulder onto God's lap. He's got big shoulders. He can handle it. Roll it off to God, right? If you get in a situation where you've rolled it off to God several times and it's still, you keep bringing it up to yourself in the shower. That's always when I know. It's like, just I'm in the shower and I'm like, dude, why'd they do that? This just really bothers me, right? Then, then what you need to do is you need to go to the person and speak lovingly and directly to the person and you need to roll it off to that person. There is no other way. These are the three things you should do. And if you're doing something outside of this, then you're not serving the Lord and you're not being faithful. You're serving someone else, maybe self. And it doesn't take a lot of faith to do that. (laughs) That comes naturally to me. We do not judge. We get that? We do not judge, right? Matthew 7 talks about that. We don't judge. But a lot of people get sideways about this because, you know, you get to verse 6 and he's like, something about pigs and whatever. Like, so basically the guy's judging whether you're a pig or not. <laughs> so the, the, you go read it. It's, it's really interesting, right? It's like, don't judge. And it's like, judge, right? In the same paragraph, right? But here's the, here's the point. We don't judge people's motives. You don't know why they did what they did. You think you know, but you absolutely do not know. So don't judge people's motives. Don't judge their heart. Only God can judge motives. Only God can judge the heart. That's what it says. That's what it means when it says do not judge. It's like this. You know, I look out and I see mostly white people in our church, not a lot of ethnicities. And I love the fact that every tribe, every nation would come to church and be together because that's what heaven's going to be like. Amen? I mean, that's what heaven's going to be like. And so, you know, I think about this and I go, and it's in the passage, right? The Hellenists are basically saying, you're racist. You're racist. That's conflict. Huh? That's the Hellenists are basically like saying, you don't care about us. We're different than you. It's racism. That's conflict in our day and age. Huh? Is that conflict or what? Am I racist? Because we don't have a lot of people that don't look like me come to our church. Well, I mean, it's worth a thought and you could search your heart, but I got to tell you, I love people. I love all people. I think we all should love all people. I think we all should love all people because of Jesus Christ in us. 
the way Jesus Christ loves us, the way Jesus Christ uh, created us, all people, right? Heaven's going to be full of all of us. And uh, I'm so excited for that day. But until that day, I mean, you can bring up complaints. You can bring up things, right? But are they really a deal? Is this really a deal that they were missing the widows? Yeah, I guess it was. They handled it biblically, didn't they? They said, yes, yes. Let's call everybody together. Let's handle it all together. Let's get it after it, right? They made it a deal. But what was the deal? What were they focused on? Oh, we got to change who we are. Oh, we got to do something different. No, they were focused on stay with the game plan. Stay on the mission. Get after the mission. Stay after the word and prayer, right? Stay after making disciples. And, and by the way, this is just a great opportunity now, right? To serve other people, right? So what are we doing about this racism? What are we doing about this uh, culture in our city? Uh, What are we doing? We're trying to serve the police officers, right? Trying to help that side of it. So if you come up with a way that we could help the other side of that, okay, black lives matter, so to speak, whatever. Like um, if you come up with a way we can uh, help that other, I would love to hear it because I've been praying over that for ever since we've got this idea in our head, right? How do we support? How do we, all people matter, right? And we love people. And so I think this is really, really important here that we serve one another and it takes faith. Like, do you have enough strength to go down and serve in toddlers? I mean, really? (laughs) You laugh, but it's a serious deal. I mean, my wife comes home tired two times a month. And she's like, dude, that was tough, but I loved it. And there's more of you. Let me just say this. There's more of you that have gifts in that area that aren't using them that need to use them. Right? Because there's conflict that arises. You ever heard of the 80-20 rule? When 20% of the people do 80% of the work, we're not there. Praise God. Everybody say amen on that. All right, but here's where we're at. 50. 50% of the people are doing 100% of the work. That's closer to 20 than it is to 100. That's a problem. Am I being clear in church today? So if you have not rolled up your sleeves and figured out where God wants you to serve the local church in his time and place, in his community, right? You best get on that. All right, we've made tools. This is a work for Christ thing. It came out with 2016 launch. Now, I'm saying all this, I'm saying it very clearly. But I mean, there are times where you sit in church and you just got to get fed for like about five, six months and then you're ready to serve. And you serve healthy so you don't have to ever get back to that spot again. That's called burnout. But if you're not there and you're not serving, then could you just check yourself? Because conflict is arising whether you know it or not. People are complaining. People are saying, why well, don't want anybody else serve in this toddler room, right? People are saying, why, why can't we? Why, 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 why? It's just murmuring, okay? And people are saying it. Why isn't this like that? Why, why can't he? Why can't they? Why? Complaints arise. It's natural, Right? Because Satan tempts us to complain. Doesn't he not? Well, that isn't the way it should be. Right? 
But what are we going to do about that? What's our response? Our response is to serve. To serve the Lord. To serve each other by faith. It takes some faith to do that. To trust each other. Here's a passage you could look up on that. It's Ephesians chapter 4. 11 through 16. Go ahead and write that in your margin. You go read that this week. Ephesians 4, 16 through, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Pardon me. 11 through 16. I really want to get that right. I want you to read it. Everyone did their part and played their role in this passage. Do you see that? Everyone did their part. Everyone played their role. So I got to ask you in church, what's your role? What's your part to play? And are you by faith willing to play it? We need you to do it. It helps keep the conflict down. It helps keep the unity up. Hey, this next thing, right? Look at the next verse, chapter eight or uh, chapter six, verse eight. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs. Wow. Lay, my, lay your hands on me, apostles. And uh, among the people, then some of the, those among, uh, who belong to the synagogue of the freedmen, so it's a certain uh, uh, temple, synagogue, certain religious people, as it were called, freedmen, uh, they were slaves once and they were freed, okay? So that's why they're called the freedmen. Um, and the Cyrenians, uh, look at this map to see where that's at in North Africa. And the Alexandrians, that's in North Africa as well. And those from Sicilia, uh, and Asia, Asia and uh, Sicilia are, are up top there. Uh, you know where Pamphylia is? Just to the right of that is Sicilia. Okay, so here's, here's the thing. Why is that important? A lot of Acts is about Paul. Paul's from Tarsus. That's where it's at. It's located right there. All right? So Luke's giving you all this stuff. It's hard to get it all together, but he's like, hey, they're even from there, right? And you're going to see Saul, Paul in a second. They rose up. And they disputed with Stephen. Anybody like a good debate? Come on, I'm the only one. Hey, she likes a good debate. Anybody else like to debate? You want to get into an argument? You think it's pretty cool? Yeah, Adam, you and I could go all day. Man, that'd be awesome. Like, like it's just kind of fun. And I don't even feel like it's fighting. It's just kind of like sharpening the saw. Like, let's talk. <laughs> you know? These guys, these guys were in it. Like they were like, let's get after it right now. All right. They're disputing with Stephen, but, but, but everybody say, but gotta love the butts in the Bible. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit, the Holy Spirit's power with which he was speaking. Guess what? Stephen was doing something. What was he doing? What was he doing? He was speaking. Thank you very much. He was speaking. He was saying some stuff. God wants himself said, does he not? How does he want it said? Boldly. With love, so it's contagious even. Right? And Stephen was doing that. What an example. And they, listen to this, secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him talk, uh, speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council, the Sanhedrin. We talked about them last week and they set up. So what did they do? They secretly instigated, they stirred up the people and they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak the words against the holy place and the law. Now, 
Why do I know that argument's false? I just stopped speaking right there for a second. And I'm the preacher. Y'all stop speaking. So people naturally stop. Stephen did not just blah, 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 blah. Like, it's not like he couldn't stop speaking about it, right? He never ceases to speak words against. That's false. It's over-exaggerated. It's a misrepresentation. They misunderstood him and they were misjudging his motives. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth, there it is, the name, will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. Let me ask you this. Did he come to change the customs? Did Jesus come to change the customs? He came to fulfill the law, not to change the law. So not a good argument, but working in the Sanhedrin because the law was the God they worshiped. And you might think about that. Is your system of right and wrong the thing you worship? Are you legalistic? Or is your system of thinking the way you worship? as in grace, all grace. And therefore you got no truth. It's just all grace. You have to have a balance of both grace and truth go hand in hand, all in love and gazing at him. They were looking at him. All who sat in the council saw, what did they see? Read it there. His face. Well, he must've been pretty angry. He was getting disagreed with. He must've been, he must've been kind of irate because they were, they were lying about him. How, how do you act when people lie about you? Well, 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 hold on a second. That's not what I said. That's not how I said it. I get kind of like, Ugh. you get that? How, what, how, how's he looking? His face was like an angel. His countenance was, I'm not upset. I, I'm not upset. I love the Lord. I know what I said. I'm comfortable in my own skin. You can say what you want to say, but I'm serving Jesus Christ. That's a lot more loving, isn't it? Than why you disagree with me? You know, why don't you get it? <laughs> yeah. The second point, when conflict arises and it has arisen now, speak the truth in love. You have to speak the truth in love. You absolutely have to speak the truth in love. You know, uh, kind of gone after a few hard examples, but I want to go after this one just a little bit here too. And I, I'm not saying these things perfectly, so please give me grace, but I want to speak the truth in love. I just want you to think about the whole issue of gays and lesbians, homosexuals, and how the church is viewed because of our stance on sin, right? That's a conflict, isn't it? That's, that's a real conflict, I think people uh, don't think I like gay people, right? I think, I think that's a misrepresentation. I love gay people. I love people that are homosexual, right? Why? Because God loves them. God made people with a soul, a spirit, and he loves them. He sent his son to die for them so that they might have fellowship with him. Are we on the same page? All right. What God hates and what the church should not tolerate is sin. Is the fact that Satan can trip people up. Has he ever tripped you up? 
My whole pornography addiction, that whole thing that got me out of ministry, I can't even believe I'm back into ministry. I don't deserve to be here. That was a lie from Satan that tripped me up, put me in the ditch upside down. You know, you ever been there? Okay, then when somebody who's gay or lesbian is there, why are you going to be upset about it? I mean, I'm not upset about it. I love you. I want to speak the truth in love to you. Please come to our church. Please hear the truth. Please, I hope, you know, there's people in this room. I talked about pornography. There's people in this room that struggle with homosexual tendencies. And they're believers in Jesus Christ. Big deal. You're struggling with a different sin. But it is a big deal. Here's why. Because every one of us that struggles with sin needs to stay on top of that struggle. Right? And the way to stay on top of that struggle is to preach the gospel to ourselves, to continue to speak the truth in love to ourselves. And we need to do that with other people as well. Right? The same thing we need to do to us, we need to do when conflict arises with other people. Satan's full of lies. The question we need to ask ourselves is are we living in sin? Right? Am I blinded? Am I uh, hardened? You know, am I living in sin to such a degree that I'm not seeing it? So what about this conflict? We got to speak the truth in love. We got to speak the truth in love. Hey, let me just, uh, Stephen then uh, does this. So look at verse one in chapter seven. And the high priest said, are these things so? In today's terms, that would be, Jeremy, how do you plead? What's your plead? You know, what are you going to do? Are you guilty or are you innocent? Tell me the truth. Right? So what's Stephen going to say to that? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years. But I will judge the nation that they will serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob and his father and all his kindred, seventy-five persons in all. 
And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem, and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt, until there arose over Egypt another king, who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race, and forced our fathers to expose their infants, so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame in a fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard the, their groanings, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, and I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both the ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who is in the congregation, in the wilderness, with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai, and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol, and were rejoicing in the work of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua, when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, 
who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. That's what he said. Was it loving? Was it clear? I mean, he stole, told a lot, a lot of stories, right? About God, the God of Abraham, and about Moses. And he wove all these different things in there. But Moses was beautiful. But Moses had a role in God's economy. I mean, he wasn't denying Moses. And he wasn't speaking or blaspheming against God. But as he continued to speak to them, I love this part. It became about the building, didn't it? He's like, yeah, well, David, you want to build a temple? And then, uh, you know, we, we had the tabernacle with Moses and, and Joshua. And then it became about uh, Solomon built this temple. And now to you guys, it's all about the temple. But God doesn't dwell in buildings made with hands. And so I just kept thinking as I was reading this, that this is a good warning for our church as we seek a building. That's really never going to be about the building. The building's a tool maybe one of the biggest tools and an accelerant to ministry. We could be a city on a hill with a building, right? But it's never going to be about the building. Is that clear? Like it's not about the building. What's it about? It's about the heart. His argument, his speech, his whole thing was about the heart. You're uncircumcised in heart and your ears don't work. You're not listening. Why are you resisting the Holy Spirit? And so I just want to say to you, right? I want to speak the truth of love to you. God loves you. Whatever you're facing, whatever sin you're dealing with, God is there to expunge that, right? To forgive it. And you can move on from that. And I love that. These guys couldn't get that but I pray that you will get that today. God loves you. He hates the sin that Satan has trapped you in. You can be and are, if you're a believer, set free. That's, that's a good word. All right, this next thing. Now, uh, verse 54 of chapter seven. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged. Remember what that means? Enraged from last week? They melted down, melt your face off mad, right? And they came on glued like a conniption fit, right? They're blah, you know, it's like their face split away. No, anyway. Um, and they ground their teeth at them. That must be some kind of like, you're, you're, I'm really mad symbol. But he, what was he? Full of the Holy Spirit. You should circle that word full. Full of the Holy Spirit. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Like he had been looking at them, talking to them. And he's like, finally, I just got to look up. I just got to look up. I got to get my eyes off this conflict. I got to get my eyes off this trouble. And I just got to look up. And when he looked up, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing 
at the right hand of God. This is the only time in the scriptures you'll ever see the son of man standing by the father. It's pretty interesting. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Did he say that to spite them? Huh? Did he say that? Cause he was like, you don't get it. I see it. Is that the way he said it? No. He was like, God's giving me a vision right now in your presence. And this is what I see. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can your heart handle it? And they're like, no, we won't see it. And look at what they do. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. Nah, 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 I can't hear you. Nah, 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 I can't hear you. Nah, 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 I can't hear you. I mean, this is like so childish. And rushed together at him and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses, those that were stoning him, laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. He was probably of the freedmen, right? And, or from Sicilia, for sure. And, and they were stoning Stephen. He called out, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out. There's two things that he said. Look at the grace here. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Please, God, please, please, please receive my spirit. We all pray that. And falling on his knees, right? He's to his knees now because they're crushing him with stones. He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It sounds like his master Jesus, doesn't it? Sounds like our master Jesus. So when people ridicule you, misjudge you, uh, misrepresent you, misunderstand you, how should we treat them? <laughs> we speak the truth in love, but this last thing, you surrender your life with grace. Surrender my life with grace. That's my response. I want to surrender my life with grace. And even if I have to die for the cause of Jesus Christ, even if I'm put to death, I know I'm walking in eternal life. But the people that will be killing me in that moment, they need to see the Lord, right? And so he's like, don't hold it against them, God. Please unveil their eyes. Let them see it, God, please. And then when he said this, he fell asleep. He didn't die because we don't die. If you're walking in eternal life, you don't die. You just, your body goes to sleep. Your spirit absent with the body, present with the Lord like that. And Saul approved of his execution. This is kind of a transition. And they arose that day, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And all were scattered throughout all regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They stood their ground. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation. They cried for him over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entered house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And how are they going to do it? Right? What are they going to do with that? Run and hide, right? Run and hide. Read verse four. We'll get back to this when I come back. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They were like, we will not stop talking about what God has done in our hearts, in our lives. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. We're going to bring you the love of Jesus Christ. It's coming your way, right? This is it. This is all I'm about now. This is everything to me. 
And so we know this, right? When the power of the Holy Spirit, we leave this series with this mind in mind. When the power of the Holy Spirit resides in us, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are filled, signs, wonders, miracles, your own life is changed. And when that happens, it happens for one reason and one reason alone. What is that reason? To proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts 1 through eight, right? This is why it came. This is how it came so hard, so fast, so that the word of God might be declared. And so as the power comes in our life, in our church, we have one response, right? We have to share the gospel. We have to share the gospel. You could just add that. That's a fourth one. We have to share the gospel. We serve the Lord by faith when uh, conflicts comes. We speak the truth in love. We surrender our lives with grace, my very life, and I share the gospel, okay? I share the gospel. I love you. I'm grateful for you. I want to encourage you to stand, right? To stand firm. Even when it's hard to stand, Jeremy, stand firm, right? Stand firm. Stand with Jesus. Stand for Jesus, all right? Maybe I'll just ask you to stand on that note. Go ahead, have a, have a stand here. Trouble will come. It always does. How will I respond? I respond by serving in the church. I respond by speaking the truth in love. I respond by s- surrendering my very life. I'll lay it all down. <laughs> you got to understand this. You got to know this. Jesus stands for me because I stand with him. And Jesus stands with me because I stand for him, right? It's all about the name of Jesus Christ that we stand. Let's pray that we'll stand this week. Father, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for uh, life and breath. Thank you for an opportunity to serve in your church and pick up your towel and follow you, your example in John 13. Thank you for Stephen and how he handled conflict. Thank you for the apostles and how they handled conflict. Thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit and how when we're filled with your Holy Spirit, we can handle conflict in such a God-honoring, loving way. God, it's amazing who we are in and through you. (laughs) And it's sad who we are when we're not filled with you. So God, fill us with your Spirit. We want to see signs and wonders and powerful things We want to see lives changed. God, I'm just asking that you open up some eyes even here today. That maybe for the first time, they'll stand for you, with you. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.